church. It's a wonderful place, right? <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Are you happy to be here? Yes? Okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. This isn't in the order of service, but I'd like for you to stand and shake the hand of someone. Welcome them to church in this place. If you're happy to be here, then do that. Speak to your neighbor. Let's, let's do that together. We can do that. That's right. Thank you so much for that. See, to me, I love it. It's so good. Thank you for that. Because to me, that's what church sounds like, right? It is the sound of community joining together. It is the sound of believers, of followers of Jesus, and perhaps people who are seeking to follow Jesus to join together in his presence corporately. Because church is not just the building. We saw the video. Church is not just the building. But the church is something that is being built. And we have part of that. Let's pray as we look to God's word. Lord, we thank you for today. And we just ask now that for those who are gathered, those who watch online, that uh, you would draw near to us. We pray as we look to your word that you would speak clearly to us and that your message would uh, reach our hearts and our minds this day. God bless your word and may you be pleased with our offering. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. It is good to be back here. Uh, we had a few weeks away uh, and I am thankful for the privilege, and I use that word intentionally, the privilege to be here and to share with you again today and to break open the Word of God with you. Carolyn and I and the girls, we had, we had a good few weeks off and we used the time to get to know the area a little bit better, having just arrived in July and then sorting out the house and those pieces and moving in. Uh, we really saw this as a good opportunity to get to know the area a little bit. And uh, so we were able to... You know, we've been to Fairy Lake, and we did some of those things with the kids, right? This is the big thing. Everyone told us about, oh, you need to go to Fairy Lake. <laughs> so we were down and did the markets and saw all that stuff. We were in Aurora, and we went to the markets there. We did uh, Canada's Wonderland, and that was a whole experience unto itself. <laughs> but it was a wonderful uh, opportunity for us to really settle in and to begin to put some roots down and, and to really embrace this place as home. And uh, it truly is becoming that, and we're thankful for that opportunity. Two, I want to thank those who uh, stood here in this space in our absence, uh, thankful for the work and dedication that they did. Do you remember who spoke? I'm sure they do. Gord first spoke, and he talked about prayer, a bit of a challenging passage, so good for you, Gord. I was watching online. Talks about how Christ advocates on behalf, on our behalf to the Father. And then Terry spoke about the roles of the Holy Spirit. 
explored the contextual rooting and the depths behind, looking at how Jesus comes to us through his spirit. Last week, Jacob spoke sharing what it means to have an advocate and how Christ's promise is fulfilled through the work of the Holy Spirit. And then I joined, like I said, online, and I listened, and I just want to say thank you uh, for your work and your dedication and your, your willingness to serve your church in that way and to serve your Heavenly Father in that way. So thank you for that. Now today, we conclude our summer teaching series. We've all summer long, we've been looking at the passages of Scripture where Jesus says, I will. We've been exploring these promises. And believe it or not, the summer's nearly over. It's hard to believe, I know. I'm not quite ready for it yet. But it is. And with the change in season, so too we'll change our focus. And beginning next week, we'll start another series aimed at helping us to reconnect as a church. Summer's sort of one of those seasons where we all sort of go our different ways. We have holidays, and we get distracted, and we do all these things. But then in the September, in the fall, we sort of are encouraged, and we will be encouraged to reconnect, not only with one another, but with our church and with our community and with our life groups as we begin starting those very soon. But today we do finish this series on the I wills of Christ, or when Jesus says, I will. And I trust that it's been meaningful for you as we've shared together. I've said it before, but my hope in planning this series really was that, that we would be encouraged in our faith, that we would be strengthened on our spiritual journey, uh, because we will have heard once again each week our Savior say through his word, I will. And when there are doubts, we hear him say, I will. And when there are challenges, we hear him say, I will. And when we're uncertain, I will. But our passage this week is one that brings joy, honestly, to my ears as a pastor. We hear Jesus say, I will build my church. And I'm so thankful for that promise, as you should be. And it's exciting. So I want to get into it from Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. It'll be on the screen. I'm reading from the New Living Translation for us today. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. What a great promise here that Jesus gives Peter, and one that echoes through history and is given to us today. 
And it all starts with this simple conversation. Jesus and his disciples, they're walking on the road to Caesarea Philippi. And this region of the Holy Land, if you think Israel and kind of the, the Holy Land here, it's very near the northern part, up in Lebanon, as a matter of fact, modern-day Lebanon. And it's sort of uh, the most northern, in fact, the commentary says, that Jesus took his disciples. And so he's sort of at the extreme here, and it's a, a diverse landscape and it's dominated by a large mountain called Mount Hermon. A little bit more on that in a second, but picture it. Sort of rocky, hilly, rolly landscape, holy land style, and then this big mountain that kicks off a bit of a mountain range, as a matter of fact. And so as the disciples are walking along this road and up and down the hills, maybe they top a hill, and they're overlooking and they see the, the mountain and the landscape, and Jesus just nonchalantly says, Hey, guys. Who do people say I am? Who does people say the Son of Man is? And don't get too caught up on that title. It is a title, this Son of Man. Jesus uses that often to refer to himself. And it is a phrase that reflects his divinity and who he is in Christ as God. But it also reflects his humanity. It comes from Daniel chapter 7, if you want to read that. And uh, in the Old Testament there. But essentially, Jesus is using this as a title for himself. And so he's saying, hey guys, who do people say that I am? And the disciples reply, they say, well, Jesus, some people say you're John the Baptist back from the dead. Some people say you are Elijah, who's come back and who was sent back. Some people say you're Jeremiah, or one of the other Old Testament prophets. And there's no real consensus, it seems, reported anyway, on who Jesus is. They haven't figured out yet that he's the Son of God. Despite the miracles, despite the fulfilling of prophecy that has already happened at this point in Christ's ministry, they haven't got it. They haven't figured it out. Or maybe it hasn't been revealed to them yet in full. So Jesus accepts this answer, and he says, okay, that's who people say I am. But then he gets a little more personal. And he says, all right, then, that's who they say I am. Who do you say I am? And I love that. That, to me, is such a, a Jesus thing to say, isn't it? There's like all this noise around. Who do people say I am? Oh, well, you might be this guy, or you might be him, or you could be here. Or... Jesus says, okay, but, but who do you say I am? And he brings it home to the heart and speaks deeply to the disciples in these moments, speaking directly to them. And I wonder what it looks like. In my mind's eye, I play this picture out. And the disciples just sort of, they slow their walk a little bit. And they're like, oh, I don't know. We gave all the answers that people said, so we're just going to wait this one out. Very rarely do the disciples give Jesus the right answer on the first try. And so they're a bit hesitant here. Except for Peter. Now if you read the New Testament, you know Peter. By this point, he's kind of become the de facto leader of the disciples. He's the guy that's going to speak first. He's the guy that's going to act first. 
And this is no different. And so while the other guys are like, oh, I don't want to mess this up, Peter's like, I know who you are. You are the Son of God, the Messiah. And this is a big deal. And it's a big deal for a lot of reasons. This is the first time anyone's really said it. The Messiah, the one that that Israel, the Jews, had been waiting for, for years and years. The one who was promised to bring victory to them over their enemies. And if it wasn't true, it would be blasphemy. Because the Messiah is of God. It's God's Savior. And so if this statement is not true and the wrong person heard it, it's blasphemy. And in that day and age, the penalty for blasphemy, death. So it's a big deal. And again, as I play this out in my mind's eye, the disciples really stop now, all the rest of them. They start looking at one another. And I'm making this up, but this is, I, Scripture is real, and it really happened, and so it helps me to picture it like this. And so they stop, and they look around, and they look at one another, and they go, did he just say that? I can't believe he just said that. Is that really what we're doing here? This guy's from Nazareth. We picked him up. Called me on the beach. Uh. So they're hesitant. They're not sure. But while the other disciples are stunned, maybe, Jesus turns to Peter, looks him square in the eye. He says, You are blessed. Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. And Jesus says, yeah, Peter, you're right. That is exactly who I am. And you didn't make it up. You didn't come up with this on your own. God gave you this revelation of who I am. And then, as they're standing on the hill, Jesus notices this huge Mount Hermon in the back. And he says, under the gaze, the gaze of this huge rock, I say to you, Peter, which means rock, upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. A little bit of context here. The name Peter in Greek sounds, or is Petros, sounds a lot like the Greek word for rock, Petra. So Jesus shares this moment with Peter. He's saying, you are a rock, Peter. It's in your very name. And under the, this mountain, I will tell you that this profession you have made of faith, this recognition of who I am, is foundational. It is what church is built on. It is the foundation that joins and gathers and unites my people. And on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus 
gives Peter a, just a taste, a glimpse of what is to come. Peter's role in the establishment of the early church is going to be pivotal. He's going to have a significant impact on the establishment of Christ's church. But it's not founded in Peter, right? Peter's work will be critical, yes, and we'll see that played out in Peter's life. But this is not about Peter. This is about what Jesus will do and who he is. He says, I will build my church and nothing will overcome it. And each word in that statement, that little promise, I will build my church, it has so much meaning as we consider who Jesus is and what church is meant to be, what a a group of his followers, an assembly of his followers is meant to be. Jesus says, I will build my church. Not pastors, not missionaries, not organizations. I, says Jesus. The assembly of believers is gathered and grown and ministered to by Jesus himself. And yes, there are roles that members of the body have to play. And there are opportunities for service to partner with and to build the church with Jesus. But it is Christ who is sovereign. And it is his divine identity on which the church is built. He says, I will build my church. It's a process. One that we know today is completed and established, but also living and active. One that's moving, one that requires participation and and investment and the service of its members. I will build my church, Jesus says. His people. And that word church is used throughout the New Testament to describe the followers of Christ as a group. It's taken from the Greek word ecclesia, meaning the assembly, those who are called out. And so the church, his church, are followers of Jesus, gathered together, united, built founded on the profession of faith that proclaims Jesus as the Son of God. And yes, in context here, Peter is speak, or Jesus is speaking directly to Peter. And yes, Peter was the rock on which Jesus used to establish his church. We read it all throughout Acts. But I believe that that promise extends to us today too. Because I believe that Jesus is still building his church. Do you believe that? His work is not done. His work is not done here in this place. I think God has got great things in store for Northridge Community Church. And it's not because I'm here. As much as I love her, it's not because Carolyn is here. It's because Jesus is here as his church, and he is building it, and there is work to be done as he continues to build this church. It's not done in this church, it's not done in our personal lives, and it's not done in completion in our world. 
And so if Christ's work in building the church is not done, then guess what? Neither is our work as members of the church. As followers of Christ, as members of his church, we have a role to play, we have a job to do. The reality is, today, too many churches are dying or in decline. Too many people are without the the body of Christ in the community because people are unwilling to serve. And that's a hard truth. You have a role to play in the building of Christ's church. And every role is important. Nothing is too small and nothing too great. He wants to use us and he's paved a way for that to happen. I mean, for these weeks, we have heard Jesus say, I will. We've heard these promises time and time again. And these promises, they reveal who he is, his divine authority, his place in our lives, his equipping and his strengthening and his moving of his church to service. They address our hesitations. Want to hear it? In our hesitancy, perhaps we might say, Jesus, I know this is what you're calling me to do, but I don't know if I can do that. Jesus, I'm tired and I'm I'm worn out. And in response, read it with me. We can have the slide. I will give you rest. We might say, Jesus, I can't do this. I don't know how, I don't even know where to begin. I have no idea. And we hear Jesus say, I will make you, equip you. I will make you fishers of men. Remember that? I do. It's the first one I preached here. We come and we say, well, what if I mess up? What if I really just ruin it? Or what if I'm so incapable that I ruin it? What if I mess up? And we hear Jesus say, doesn't matter, I will never drive you away. Jesus, I'm scared. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I know you're calling me to do this, but I, I feel so alone. I don't know what to do. Jesus says, I will come back. Promises yet to be fulfilled. Say, Jesus, I don't know if I can do this on my own. And he responds through his word, I will do what you ask in my name. Say, Jesus, I need help. Uh, You're calling me to this specific ministry. You're asking me to do this, but I feel so ill-equipped. And Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. As a pastor... I have prayed over you. And I have prayed about the responsibility of pastoring. And I hear God's voice say, I will build my church.
And I will use my church to build my church. When we follow Jesus, we have everything we need to live according to his will. And as we strive to live according to his will, and as we seek to be his body extended to our world, he fills us and he strengthens us and equips us and he guides it, guides us. And we simply have to invite him into that space and allow him the freedom to do it. And it's rooted in relationship with him. What is church? Church is a group of believers gathered together, united through Jesus and seeking to live out his will in the world. And he equips us to do that. He empowers us to do it. He emboldens us to do it. His promises are right there. We just need to claim them. And so my prayer over this season of, of ministry, of over the fall as we begin programming and as we do all these things again, my prayer for you as the church here gathered at Northridge is that we would take the call to deep spiritual relationship with Jesus seriously. That we would be seeking to be built as his people. That we'd be seeking to grow in our spiritual walk with him. That, that we would be hungry for the things of God. that we would be actively listening to the Holy Spirit's promptings as he seeks to build his church through us and in us and around us. And when we live lives that reflect that desire to know God more, and to live his light out better. God honors that. And we can be confident in knowing that he will. We've heard it week after week throughout the summer. I will, Jesus says. And so we claim that promise. And in response, can we be so bold enough to respond in like where we have heard Jesus say, I will, that we would respond, I will. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for your word today. We give you thanks because it reveals to us the depths of your love. It reveals to us the depths of your plan and, and how perfect it is. Because you redeem your church, God. You cause people to, be, to, to come before you. We've experienced your saving grace. 
We profess faith in you as the Son of God. And you call us together as a church, as the body of Christ now, here on this earth. And you continue to use us and you continue to build your church. That is the people. You, you cause us to grow spiritually as we seek to follow you. But to God, you seek to use us to broaden your kingdom, to build into others, to share your light, to share the good news of the saving grace that's found in Christ. And so God, I pray that we would be bold as your church that you would continually build us so that we could be used by you, that we would be submissive in your leading and responsive to your Spirit's call. Lord, we hear the words, or we hear the tune playing. We know that this is only possible when you are the cornerstone of our lives. We build on you, Lord as you build your church. Use us and bless us and may these coming days and seasons and weeks, may they be filled with your presence as we seek to impact our world with your good news. Bless your church, God, here at Northridge and beyond and build your church as you have promised. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.